0: Welcome to Plane Talk. Plane Talk has over 120 podcasts containing information about aviation technologies and pilot experiences for general and business aviation. From home to cockpit to boardroom to personal tech, Plane Talk provides information for pilots, industry insiders, and aviation enthusiasts alike. My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 2,200 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years' experience in the technology, telecommunications, and aviation industries. This Plane Talk episode is graciously sponsored by MyGoFlight. Founded in 2010 by passionate aviators, MyGoFlight is recognized in the aviation space as the premium brand for those who fly. As aviators, the folks at MyGoFlight understand how important it is not to cut corners because doing so creates risk. From knee boards to all of the different iPad mounts, cases, cradles, flight bags, luggage, anti-glare, glass, all MyGoFlight products are designed to bring the information a pilot needs to see so that they can fly head up, eyes out, and safe. Again, thanks so much to my GoFight for sponsoring this episode. Hi, I'd like to welcome a really insightful and cool gentleman, Michael Moore, the founder president of Plane Sites, a truly Canadian company that started here in the Greater Toronto area to, uh, with products to make aircraft more visible and protect key elements of an aircraft, but also with a personal connection to the Toronto Buttonville Municipal Airport and sadly its closure and possibly the new Pickering Airport. I'd like to welcome Michael Moore of Plane Sights into the Plane Talk cockpit. How are you, Michael? I'm
1: great. Thanks for having me, Phil, and uh, it's great to be here.
0: Oh, our pleasure. Why don't we kick it off and talk about kind of the cool stuff that put a lot of R&D effort into to make airplanes a little more visible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I got my start at Buttonville Airport being a, a line service manager there um, back in, I guess it was 2003, 2004. And you're absolutely right. It was. It really started with, with how to make aircraft more visible uh, on the ground to try and prevent uh, hangar rash, ground damage, that sort of thing. But it kind of morphed over time. Uh, we've focused in on uh, static weight covers in that area, and then the rest of it's uh, pitot tube covers and that kind of thing. But So I actually got a patent for uh, as an aircraft extremity marker, but uh, as part of that, it was uh, adding reflective film to remove before flight items, which had never been done before in the industry. So whenever you see reflective remove before flight items, I was the guy that, that uh, came up with that.
0: Well, I have to say that I've been an advocate, but also a a user of your tech. We use the Remove Before Flight Pedostatic tube cover on the Commander.
1: Oh, excellent.
0: Like it's just in your face that you just absolutely can't forget to to pull it off, uh, which obviously wouldn't be a good day if you uh, forget to pull it off and go airborne. Absolutely. You know, with all the other products uh, and R&D efforts that you've diversified into landing gear adapters, stall warning plugs for diamonds, and static wick covers to make sure that somebody doesn't walk into a static wick and then break it. It's
1: it started with the uh, the land, the adapters for for electro uh, toberless tugs. That was the first thing that I did, and then uh, I took some of the money that I made doing that and put it into developing the the plain sight line, but. I got a patent for that as well. Back, uh, I don't even remember the year, but uh, I, I ended up selling the the patent. But we still we still make those for uh, for Electro, we're the uh, exclusive manufacturer. So, but that's a whole that's a whole other uh, line now. It, it, it's the only way. Um, so if you if you have a, happen to have Electro Tug, as as many FBOs in in North America and around the world do. Um, if you want to move a Diamond DA40 or a Cirrus SR2022 or a Cessna 400, they all have this uh, sort of cantering nose landing gear that's uh, rather difficult for operators to use. You can't really use a what they call a holdback bar that stops the airplane basically from impacting the uh, the cradle on the tug. So, yeah. So I developed this receiver uh, device that allows the um, adapter to attached to the tug and and then a bunch of uh also invented a a way to allow the pin caps to stay on to the adapter and then so we sell a whole bunch of those to electro every year still big company not really no we've only got four employees so it's it's a a little uh it's a little operation but we uh, basically (laughs) our our niches are like an inch wide and a mile deep so
0: (laughs) and how did you come up with the name plain Sights? that it's a cool name.
1: That was what. So the company's name is actually Red, Fat, Red Fab Red Inc. But um, so that was it was Red Fab originally doing the uh, the adapters for the, um, the cantering nose landing gear um, airplanes, and then uh, from there, I just basically uh, the plane sites was just um, uh, trying to you know things like you know the expression in plain sight, yeah, that sort of thing. So that's that's how it all started, and then yeah, I, I was basically looking at all you know our safety vests. And I was thinking, well, if the safety vests are important. People are important. Airplanes are important too, right? And especially yeah. taking off, uh, the remove before flight items. Why are they red? Why aren't they reflective, or uh, why don't they have contrasting colors? And I started looking at some of the, the ANSI code for um, like highway traffic. Uh, you know, workers that are uh, doing construction on highways, and I started started looking at some of the requirements uh, there. And then from there, I hired a pattern maker, and then you know, off we went. But. Uh, Certainly the uh, the aircraft marker concept that started the company was by and large a big failure. So we um uh we had to pivot quickly and um uh the PO2 covers started selling really well and we, we, we transitioned to that and focused in on that and um got some big uh, retailers like Sporties and Aircraft Spruce and then um
0: I see more than five hundred retail locations carry your products.
1: Yeah, yeah, all around the world we um uh, New Zealand, Australia, France, uh, of course, mostly we sell in um, in the United States. It, it's kind of strange because we, we manufacture in uh, Aurelia, Ontario. It's mostly American materials that we use, and then we ship them to the United States. And then for, for most of our Canadian customers, they're buying them from our American retailers, and then the, the American <laughs> retailers ship them back. We, That's crazy. We, yeah, we only, we only get a couple orders to, to Canada a year. Like I mean, we're talking like a few hundred bucks, so oh, it's... Yeah, it's just it's just it's it's unfortunate that you know in America you can you can, um, you can throw a rock and hit an airport, right? It's just, they're just everywhere, and, and Canada obviously we're uh, we're going the opposite direction based on what's happening in Buttonville. And-
0: yeah, it's a it's a sad day for those that have been following the uh, the news on AvWeb and Wings Magazine, mm-hmm. Copa, other uh, other news outlets uh, mm-hmm. uh, last uh, week. Runway 0321 was closed and at 11am this morning, uh, runway 1533 was closed. I happened to be at the airport uh, uh, just taking some pictures and talking to folks. Roughly quarter to 11, a Cessna 150 came in, did a touch and go, then did another circuit, and then did a stop and go, landing, followed by backtracking took off, and at exactly two minutes after 11, another Cessna high-wing airplane showed up flying out of Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario. That's uh, probably in that airplane, uh, hour and a half, two-hour trek, only to show up two minutes late.
1: Oh, so they weren't weren't allowed to land?
0: No. Well, you could, but I'm sure you'd get a nasty fine in the mail from transport as the runways no tam closed and then it'll be interesting to see how many uh folks will do low and overs until the november the 30th when the the uh uh airport folks turn in their operating certificate to transport canada
1: right right
0: will be a little entertaining of course to see who tries to do a low and over on december the first
1: yeah yeah.
0: But you have uh, quite a strong connection with the Toronto-Buttonville Municipal Airport. As you mentioned, you were a line service manager in 2003.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think it was, I think I, I, was a, I was a sort of a mid-level manager there for a couple of years. But um, uh, prior to that, a couple more years is working the ramp, refueling airplanes, baggage handling back when Bearskin Airlines was, was there, and a lot, a, lot of, a lot of moving airplanes around. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a sad day.
0: Yeah for those folks I think that in the heyday um before the closure of the of the Nav Canada tower um I believe uh Buttonville was the second busiest airport in Ontario and uh, don't quote me on this but I believe the sixth busiest airport in Canada
1: That's right yeah
0: Totally amazing
1: Mhm Well hopefully uh hopefully Mark Brooks and his group can get something going at Pickering
0: Wouldn't that be Wonderful to help shepherd the federal government to fulfill their dream and uh, obligation to build an airport in on the Pickering lands.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, I'm excited for, uh, for the electrification of airplanes, too. I was really excited to see uh, Diamond. Um, uh, it looks like they're going to have the first Part 23 certified uh, battery-powered aircraft uh, coming out rather soon. So I, I was excited to see that.
0: It's going to be a, an interesting change in aviation as we we see all the the conversations and technology developments around um, SAF fuels and hundred low lead alternatives, and then as mm-hmm. you have said, the migration to electric electric uh, aircraft. It's completely a game changer.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it might also help to maybe fight off some of the nimbyism. If the airplanes become quieter, well, I mean, then maybe we won't have to fight so hard to get an airport, right?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I believe you have a personal connection to the Pickering Lands. I think you mentioned you grew up on the lands.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, On Ninth Line, um, my mother still lives there. She's um, uh, right in behind Markham Airport. And um, so, yeah, I grew up there, and we were always listening for news of, of the impending airport, but yeah, it's just never, never seems to have happened. But I, I guess, I guess I, you would say I have an interesting perspective on it, given that I'm, I'm in the industry myself, airplane owners. And, um, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's kind, it's been kind of disappointing to see the, uh, the lack of movement, at least, at least even in a, sm- a small, airport there, just to, uh, try and fill the, the massive hole. It's going to be left by, uh, uh Buttonville closing. Um, and and I know that uh, um, some groups have proposed uh, deals that involve no no taxpayer money, and uh, they're just looking for a long term lease of the land, and they'll do the development themselves. So it's it's really sad that the, uh, the government can't um, get together and um, and try and fill that need that we now have in the uh, Greater Toronto area.
0: Yeah, we look at the closure of the Buttonville Airport, and I hear from the management. 250 to 300 aircraft had to find new homes. The York Regional Police Air Unit have moved to Oshawa. So their Mm -hmm. time to respond to criminal activity, search and rescue activities in York Region is going to be much longer than it was operating in the heart of York Region at the Buttonville Airport. And the... The impact with Orange Air Ambulance folks moving critical patients from Northern Ontario or other areas of Ontario where they're poorly served by the healthcare environment to Toronto, they're going to be impacted. I, mean, I We have north of 300 employees directly employed at the Buttonville Airport, uh, either by the airport operator themselves or, or the tenants. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the economic impact to businesses in the area. Will their customers or clients move their operations or their need for services to competitors that are uh, situated around uh, an airport?
1: Yeah, and I guess Seneca College has already moved too, right?
0: That's right. They moved out to Peterborough,
1: right. So, I mean, it's a it's a big loss for the community too, just in terms of the economic impact. It's, it's got to be. I mean, certainly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today without having had the opportunity to work at Buffalo Airport and, and learn about um, aviation. It's uh, it's a big loss, I think.
0: I don't think that folks understand how a municipal airport feeds the entire aviation. Ecosystem, as you mentioned, Seneca College training mm-hmm. the next generation of airline pilots, and
1: mm-hmm. Canadian
0: flyers that operated out of uh, Markham, uh, but then over moved over to Buttonville Airport. Uh, they're moving their operation up to Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And if you could imagine, they're asking their staff to drive like an hour and a half to work, an hour and a half back right in addition to that the student pilots so it becomes that distance becomes an obstacle to to learning, especially when we add in the Canadian context of the weather, certainly mm-hmm. uh, w- winter operations. we already have a pilot shortage which is going to impact the airlines
1: mm-hmm.
0: this Really exasperates that problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when when people ask me uh, uh, where they should go do their flight training, uh, I, I sometimes will say um, it's it's almost better to do it in the United States and then and then uh, go back and do your test in Canada, just to, just because of the the cost of fuel in Canada for sure. starters but it's just it's, i think it's uh, correct me if i'm wrong i think it's about twice the price isn't it to get your your ppl in canada
0: oh it's horribly expensive with fuel mm-hmm. at toronto airports can be north of $3.30 uh taxes mm-hmm. in that is right um, right and uh that's a serious uh, uh, amount when i started flying back in 1993 no, uh, folks, I'm not that old. It was 86 cents a liter. Wow, like, yeah. Completely different. So what's um, what's on the horizon?
1: Well, right now, um, our, our main focus right now is on OEM contracts. We've got a couple of good ones. Um, uh, I'm actually I'm not allowed to tell you who we sell to. I promise I won't tell us all. Okay. Right. It's, well, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very large aircraft manufacturer. They make wide body aircraft. So, I mean, you can, you can kind of wow. guess, but, um, and, and also if you search, um, you know, for, uh, reflective flags for a wide body aircraft manufacturer, you might find some images of our stuff and, uh, an article, um, talking about the, the new uh, reflective that they had to add to one of their removal before flight flags on the engine sell So that's all, that's all, public, prob- that's all public knowledge people can figure out. But um, yeah, so we, we, um, we have uh, basically just a couple of full-time people doing uh, flags like that that wow. need to. And the other, the other big thing that happened was back in 2019, we got our uh, AS9100 uh, certification. So I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, um, well, it's, a, it's like ISO on steroids, or it's, it's actually based off of the ISO standard, the S9100 is something you have to have to be able to be in the supply chain to supply people like Airbus and Boeing and Gulfstream and those companies. So
0: I, I think we have to remind folks how important the re- visibility of a removed before flight flag is, and more specifically, the thing that that flag is, is on. A friend of mm-hmm. mine owns a uh, charter company. Okay. Turbine-equipped aircraft. The first officer forgot to move remove the cowl plugs. Oh. Followed by firing up one of the engines. Oh, Jesus! Went over temp and then ingested the uh, the plugs. And I understand that's about a three hundred thousand dollar U.S. mistake.
1: Ouch, yeah. I remember back in the line, uh, they were, they always taught the, or the flight instructors always taught the students to wrap the the cord around the prop, I think, right? So that it, so the prop pulls it out?
0: That's what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, in a turbine engine, that's oh, not right. possible.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And,
0: you know, and the part of the pr- challenge is if the flight crew doing the walk around gets distracted talking to other folks on the ramp or,
1: yeah, so that's been our focus is um, just getting more OEM contracts. We'd love to talk to people like um, uh, like Embraer. We haven't we haven't really done anything with Bombardier, even though we have some Bombardier static quick covers. Um, uh, so we haven't really been able to get into their supply chain. Um, but that's really next for us. Is we would we really really like to. Um, to get more of our reflective, remove before flights flags out there, we we, we certainly we've we've come come a long way um, just challenging. There's there's a um, a couple of uh, industry standards for remove before flight flags. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the uh, uh, nas 1756 and 1091 standards. Um, they they talk about the uh, the type of material that needs to be used on these flags. And I I don't know how. Uh, I mean, there are some some other companies out there certainly our competitors uh, and they're just using like a t-shirt fabric it's it's really weird but the the actual standard calls for a mil prf fabric which is like um it's like a mill spec uh, uh vinyl coated nylon and so we we buy that stuff by the pallet now because we're going through so much of it but wow. um it's uh it's an interesting material we, we so we, we've been adding um reflective uh film to that material it meets the same standard i mean a big part of that that material is that it's fire retardant self-extinguishing so hmm. so if it catches fire it's supposed to go out and then so when when um when our, our big customer came to us requesting that a reflective element and knowing that we were the only um sort of bigger company in the industry that was doing it um we we used a uh, a fire retardant reflective as well that exceeds the uh, the same standard and, and that's how they were able to basically use reflective on the flag, even though the standard doesn't, uh, specifically permit it. I'm actually just reading, uh, Elon Musk's book, right? I mean, to say what you can about the guy, but, um, he, he has this doctrine about uh, challenging every standard and saying who, who wrote the standard, who's, who's responsible for it. And I think the, the NAS standards are so old right now. I think no, nobody would be able to tell you who wrote the standard. Right. And then the most, mil- the milspec spec fabric is the same thing. So, um, it could it could do with an update, but I'm not even sure where to start with that. If anybody has any ideas, certainly reach out to me.
0: Well, and I I do have to say, uh, again, depending on the aircraft, different prices. But an angled pedo tube cover for a Cessna style aircraft is like twenty four ninety five uh, U.S. dollars. I mean, it's completely mm-hmm. affordable.
1: Yeah, we 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 got a lot of competition in that uh, segment for the. Um, certainly for, the, for the, the more highly technical um, stuff. It's basically in, in the AS9100 standard, it, the standard is, is, well, it's long and uh, there, is, there isn't one mention of anything to do with price in the standard. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> Of course not. Well, Michael, yeah. thank you so much for being part of the Plane Talk cockpit.
1: It's been a pleasure, Phil.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Plane Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plain Talk episode, please go to the contact us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast. And never stop living the dream.